Welcome to Strap On Your Boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode, I have Dr. James Richardson. He's an exponential growth strategist. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Jason, for having me. No problem, man. And today's topic, we're going to talk about how to bootstrap your business and get exponential growth. Uh, it's funny because the name of this podcast is Strap on Your Boots, which is a play on the word bootstrap, right? That's where I got it. So tell me a little bit about, uh, first of all, how you became an exponential growth strategist. Like, how, do you, how does one become that? Well, it really was a coincidence of some uh, client projects I did at my former consulting firm where we stumbled on this fact. And the fact that we stumbled on... Um, in the world of food and beverage, early stage brands was that the brands that like Kind Bar and Vita Coco and Skinny Pop that were coming out of nowhere and surprising and embarrassing the industry, honestly, um, <laughs> by getting to 100 million to 300 million really fast. Um, well, just out of nowhere, when we deconstructed how they did that, we wound up with this crazy fat pattern, which is that they all had the same top line curve. Okay. And what is and that? It was all mathematically exponential. Uh, it was the it's basically the first half of the sigmoid curve that you study in business school, which is, you know, this, this um, growth of a very small revenue base in the beginning. But because you're doubling every year, what happens is five years, five, seven years down the road, that doubling turns into an explosion. <laughs> and then everyone says, oh, wow, where did you come from? Well, I've actually been here for 10 years and you were ignoring me, um, <laughs> but, but now it's too late to chase me because I own the innovation. So go screw yourself. So that's basically you know, what these guys did, um, Dan Lebetsky and all these folks, and they did it through a patient organic uh, go-to-market strategy, which is built on superb. All right, so, so, so a lot of the things you're talking about, I actually don't really understand most of it because I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't come from a business world. So uh, you're, 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 you're mentioning a lot of, um, lingo that kind of goes with, I guess, with a certain industry. I'm more of a technologist. You know, yeah. I work, I've done marketing. I've done startups. I've done a lot of, uh, growth hacks and branding. So let's try to dumb this down for people who don't come from that industry. Give me another give me another example of what these companies did in layman's terms for a four year old uh, kid. What did they do? Well, it started with it started with design. So it started with product design that was meeting um, a very simple unmet need at the time in a in a particular category of good. I happen to work in a very hyper competitive industry. It's oversupplied with options. So the, the amount of effort it takes just from the design side in terms of the packaging and, and what's in the food or beverage is enormous. And it's usually where everyone fails. Right. So we're talking about like basic, <laughs> basic A-B testing, focus groups, what looks good, what's appealing so, to people, what has that impulse grab by in the shelves, so, like all, all those types of things. Yeah. I mean, I think the difference between the, the problem in hyper-competitive industries like mine is you, can, you actually can't figure that out in advance. That's a myth. I used to I used to lead those projects and they mostly failed. So, so you figure you figured out you as do it. consumers. You can't do it. It's all that's all that's Oops. all the market research companies sell to big companies to make money. It okay. doesn't work. It never has. When it does, it's not better than a random mathematical coin toss. So you know so, 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 so if you want to do better than random, you have to design you have to actually finish your design in the market. And that's what most of these guys that I just mentioned earlier, that's what they ended up doing was that they iterated. Um, 
in response to feedback. So they were essentially co-creating their innovations in the first couple of years. Maybe it was just the packaging they changed. Maybe it was the formula they tweaked. Maybe it was the package symbolism. Uh, really, really detailed stuff. Because unfortunately, that's how it, it's very small changes that unleash exponential growth in my industry. Um, it's not iPhone level user interface innovation. <laughs> So. Yeah, and it's very <laughs> typical for a brand to come out with like various iterations of their logo or the packaging mm -hmm. or what type of uh, bullet points should be on the back or whatever. And so I get that part. And let's say that, you know, let's bring this back down to planet Earth to early stage startups who have not made their first dollar. And what is the strategy they should take to come up with the branding for, say, their packaging or for their website or for their app? Well, I think that the the one the most basic f form of research you do in advance is that you you come you study the shelf, digital or otherwise, in your category, so that you know exactly what is different about your innovation and what's different that matters. So, in my book, Ramping Your Brand, I I walk people through how to deconstruct your category positioning, no matter where you are, um, using sort of tool tools from social science analysis of human cultures. Cause you know, we're humans, society is driven by symbolic communication and, and marketing is the exact same thing. It's just a capitalistly intense version of symbolic communication. So it <laughs> sounds a ruthless like agenda. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds a little bit like uh, learning about your competitors, researching what they're doing, right. What they're doing wrong, how you differentiate from them, how you can position yourself in the mm -hmm. same place that they are, but to stand out, right. This is, these are the types of things you got to look at. Yeah. I mean, what I talk about the, the big thing I talk about in my book is you need to find an innovation or you need to take your innovation and you need to find the category. That's the better way to <laughs> find the category and the positioning in the universe, uh, the cultural universe, where you can convince consumers that, hey, I'm the new modern way to achieve this X or Z outcome in your everyday life. And if you can make that connection unconsciously in milliseconds, and that's what it takes, um, then you can unleash exponential growth. If it takes, if people have to get educated, if they don't understand why they should care, you're not done. You lost the battle. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is why you can't do market research to forecast your gorgeous creation in advance, because until you get out into the market, you won't really be able to finalize where you fit in the ecosystem. Because I guarantee you, I've worked with too many folks, you have underthought something. Yeah, you know, I've seen a lot. Of, I, I've seen enough uh, start. Uh, what is Shark Tank? I've seen enough Shark Tank episodes where they they pick up the package that the entrepreneur put in front of them. And they say, like, I don't know what this is selling me. I don't know what this yeah. is. Like, this yeah, isn't telling me that you're selling, you know, this tchotchke. So you need to re redo your brain. And that's a big problem for a lot of people is they're not sure what to put. So we've already discussed deconstructing, yep. you know, figuring out what your competitors are doing, right? Let's say you did figure out your branding strategy. You got your packaging. It looks good. It's selling well in stores for, in like a beta test, we'll say. How do you you know, and, and to you, it sounds like it's real easy. Oh, exponential growth. But for most of us, it's not that, I mean, it's not, let's just put it this way. It's not easy, right? Getting exponential no. growth is probably one of the most difficult things to do because you're dealing with a saturated market. Most cases mm -hmm. you're dealing with money issues because you have to pay for marketing and I can go on a whole list of other things. So tell me, so, how do, yeah. how do you navigate, how do you navigate this? How do you actually get that exponential? Well, that, 
the reason I reached out to you, Jason, for your show is that here's why this works for bootstrapping entrepreneurs, ironically, is that if you, if you were patient enough in the first year or two to finalize your design and really nail it and find a fan base that's buying it compulsively, and that's the world I'm in is repeat purchase-driven brand building because otherwise they're dead. Okay. You're fucking, you're fucking dead. <laughs> so, I mean, beep, beep, beep. Yeah, there's no QVC road to glory in, in food and beverage. That's a bunch of bullshit. So you could sell a million dollars worth of like ramen or something once. <laughs> but, but if you want to make this work, you've got to have repeat purchasers who are just rabid fans. And you know what those people do? They tell everyone to go buy it for you. Right. And of it costs nothing. It costs nothing. Word of mouth. This keeps happening. It keeps happening and no one wants to believe it um, because there's no scientific way to stick everyone in a matrix and prove that the word of mouth happened, right? There's no way to, there's no surveillance technique to prove it, but we can measure it indirectly. So we can measure it it because the the brand has no marketing budget. It did nothing. And the the only other variable, which you can measure inferentially through surveys is, Oh shit, people are, you know, the net promoter score is 96. <laughs> Everyone's talking to 10 to 20 people about it. Um, and this is what drove Kind Bar and Skinny Pop. And again, in one city, like fanatical word of mouth, you won't, a big brand advertiser wouldn't be able to measure that. They make fun of this shit, they laugh at it. Right, because right, they just throw money at the wall. Yeah. Right. Well, $50 million will get a lot of Oreo packages sold yeah. when it's done scientifically, right? But that's not what we're talking about here. So let's. So uh, is, you can bootstrap this basically by designing something that gets your fans to be the marketing team. And that actually is the hardest thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to bootstrapping, I mean, I've run a lot of startups and it's always the best way to do it is organic growth, word of mouth, referrals, friends and family, social networks, that kind of thing. What are the, like, let's figure out here the top three things that you would tell an entrepreneur who's listening to my show or watching this video right now. And they want to get that word of mouth and they want to get their first thousand customers and they want to get brand recognition without spending any money. What are the top three things you would tell them to do? First of all, they need to, they need to talk to 10 to 15 of their repeat purchasing customers, their fans, the people who they know love them either from some kind of evidence get them on the phone talk to them for 20 30 minutes ask open-ended questions about to understand how they use the product or service and then why it matters to them and really push on the why Uh, like a three-year-old why mommy why mommy and eventually they'll get irritated and they'll tell you the god's honest truth they were suppressing this is social science 101 book they'll tell you something really probably it could even be crass like because i want to get laid that's why i want the, the sexy alcohol drink Right. In my, in my hand, you know, but they're not going to tell you that up front because they want to seem all you know, polished and whatever. So when you push them and get the why, then you can say, oh, we're driven by sex. I'm just making this up. This right. is a big thing with alcohol brands. I'm driven by sexual, you know, interaction and dating. So then where do I need to insert myself as number two, Jason? Right. What social venues do I insert my brand? Not, not with a big, not with a big, yeah, not with a big brand, not with a big megaphone, but I just sort of slip myself in. So maybe you go to nightclubs, maybe you go to music venues. Um, Then you do three, you do the hard, painful, annoying um, crap work 
that right. nobody wants to do, Jason, which is sit there on Google, find the music venues, go humiliate yourself by introducing yourself to everyone, getting rejected by 90%. This is, this is, why, it, this is why it never happens is because nobody wants to do step number three. Right. No, nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to do hard work. Is what it comes down to. It might, it's it's dude, tedious. A, it's I, I tedious. But it in my my book, all the brands I talk about in my book, they all did this. They all sent field teams. Yeah, of course. Out into the universe and inserted themselves in real social venues. They made the brand appear from the bottom up as a cool hip thing. That's what Red. That's what Red, Red Bull is a good example. Exactly I mean, they they, they were at they every it. single college. They were at every single event, handing out free Red yeah. Bull cans for years. And, and they, they did be- it. They had enough money coming from Europe to do it at scale. But right. they still did it from the grassroots. Yeah, they were getting kids <laughs> to go out there wearing outfits and handing out free drinks nonstop. That's yeah, the vitamin way- water was one of the first in my industry that did it in the early two thousand. You know, they had. Um, they don't do this anymore. But yeah. They, uh, they um because there's no need but in the beginning to get the awareness built and to get the trust built in the and just the coolness built they just they had these things called hydrology vans they were vans with beer taps on the outside nice and they used to park like venice beach or other places you know in santa monica and then have these little gorilla events where they would just park it next to food trucks or something and then they would just give people samples on the side of the truck <laughs> Right. Yeah. So instead of bottles, then it, becomes, then it becomes something to talk about. And this was before social media. Right. Right. So right, right. There was no Instagram effect beyond top of this. This is literally people saying, oh, my God, you've got to go to you've got to go get lunch down here because this this thing called the hydrology van. That's cool. <laughs> and it's all made up crap. Right. I mean, that's the funniest thing. But this is how you this is how you insert yourself as a cultural player. And that's the thing that any brand can do. You ha- don't have to have money to do that. Right. That's the beauty of it. That's awesome. Now, you, you do have to have some social skills. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> na- 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 I mean, nowadays you got you know Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. You got so many different places to go to, and you have to really be on all of them. I'm in the middle yeah. of launching a bunch of projects, and I'm using all of them, and I'm pushing them out on all of them, and I'm seeing results on all of them. So you really have to be. It's an all-in approach, you know. But once you find that one niche that really works for you. You got to double down on that one. So you mentioned your book a lot for the listeners here. Tell us a bit about what they can find in your book, how they can find you, um, what kind of stuff they can expect from looking you up. So, uh, you know, the book is ramping your brand and it's for consumer brands, you know, folks in selling stuff that sells at target. That's what I say, basically. Uh, and it's on Amazon. Um, I have sales and stuff every once in a while through the year, but you can get it there. If you're interested in what I do, you can go to premiumgrowthsolutions.com and that's where you learn about how I work with clients. Um, That's a site primarily for founders and entrepreneurs in my area uh, who have read the book. So, but, but I guarantee you, even if you're not in consumer products, the book will teach you some things about how new brands are built, whether it's Apple or anything else. Some of these laws just are, are pan industry for sure. Awesome. So we got feedback, iterate, uh, differentiate, and then <laughs> tedious work. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to go out and promote your business. Um, right. The, diff- the, the, the problem, I think, is that social media has encouraged a lot of laziness. Yeah, uh, absolutely. As you probably witnessed. Um, and the people who went on social media are doing the street version of what I just described. They're just yep. as patient and persistent and, you know, and everyone else is trying to pay some Twitter agency to get them 30,000 followers. Right. All of them garbage. 
Right. <laughs> you got you got to so. do it. You got to do it yourself. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, James, thanks a lot for coming today. I think a lot of people learned a bit about how to get exponential growth on this episode. So thanks again. And as always, we will see everybody in next week's episode. See you later. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.